Scripture is a story. It tells us the story of who we are, how we've been made, the purpose of our lives, and where we're headed to. And so it's the place to start whenever we're launching into a whole series about, well, what is life about? What about human relationships? What should they look like? What is the purpose of our lives? What about all of the debate around what happens pre-birth and birth? What about towards the end of life, debate about what should happen then or belief about what happens after life? All these things are contained within Scripture, and Scripture itself points towards Jesus Christ, who is the very center of the story. Quite often over recent years, there's been Uh, I think often people thinking, well, I'm either going to have to believe in science or I'm going to have to believe in what Scripture says. But I've become more and more convinced over the years that science and Scripture are just telling different aspects of the same truth. They're expressing the story, the whole story, the one story about God being creator, the one who is eternal, and the one also who has uh, made us. Have I got tinnitus? I thought I had tinnitus for a moment there. I've had ringing in my ears. I think it's gone. We're we're okay. And uh, so, I don't know about you, but I love to watch programs by Professor Brian Cox on the television. And he talks about the emergence of the cosmos, the beginning of it all, and more recently, a wonderful program about the end of the cosmos. And and, uh, one of the things I love about watching those programs is that it's one of the closest things you can watch on TV, TV today to a religious broadcast. Because if you watch and listen to Professor Brian Cox, he speaks in hushed tones. He's, he's just like a worshiper. He's, he's walking through these places, quite often very rugged places on earth. And there's what I can only describe as religious music playing in the background as he, he tries to speak about the origins and the present cosmos by, by pointing to things in some maybe far part of Arizona or something. And he, he's excited and he's, he's in awe of the things that he's speaking about. And he's talking about the birth of stars and the death of stars. And uh, I feel really quite often spiritually invigorated by watching them because it's really just, to me, it's just reinforcing the truth of Scripture and also the truth that we see, I believe, emerging from scientific discovery. One of the things that... Uh, Uh, has has really encouraged me too over recent years is the fact that Scripture has been saying all along that that God alone is eternal, that God's made everything and yet He stands outside creation. He is what we would call transcendent. He He is beyond. He is the one who is eternal. The things that we see and taste and smell and touch are not eternal. Material things have a beginning point and they have an end point. And, and uh, if you watch one of Brian Cox's programs, you may talk about that, the fact that there was a time when there was nothing. And also one of the most recent programs, he spoke about the death of all the stars and, and everything being sucked into black holes and the fact that there will come a day when there is no more matter. And to me, that's really encouraging to, to hear that and see that. Uh, don't worry, it is 
apparently billions of years away. Because um, the thing is, for the last 2,000, 3,000 years, the Bible has been saying there was a time when there was nothing. But it's only the last 70 years that science has said there was, a, there was a time when there was nothing. And so in the last 70 years, science has caught up with what Scripture has said for the last 3,000 years. What the scientific community theorizes today is that there was a time when there was nothing. The thing is, for our society today, quite often we are influenced by a philosophical concept called materialism. Now, materialism is different than consumerism. Consumerism is the wanting to accumulate stuff to make ourselves feel more worthy and more secure. Materialism is a, is a more sort of pure theological or philosophical construct, which basically says, materialism says, the only thing that exists is what you can see, hear, smell, taste, and touch. And so a lot of our thinking, a lot of our mindset is geared around materialism. It's a lack of belief that there's anything beyond materialism. But actually, even if you look at some of the great thinkers of the modern era, going back not just decades but hundreds of years, not only were a great many of the greatest scientific minds really passionate Christians, but they were also um, they were they were people who believed, if they didn't believe in the God of the Father of Christ, they believed that there was a creator, there was an intelligence behind creation. Charles Darwin, towards the end of his life, said this, he wrote this, the impossibility of conceiving this immense and wonderful universe, including man as a result of blind chance or necessity, when thus when thus reflecting, he said, I feel compelled to look to a first cause, having an intelligent mind in some degree analogous to that of man, and I deserve to be called a theist. In other words, what Charles Darwin said towards the end of his life was this. This universe, this cosmos, is so complex and so beautiful that I can come to no other conclusion that there is an intelligence behind everything that we see. Michael Faraday, uh, who invented a great many things. One of them was uh, the electric motor, the electric dynamo, uh, a fantastic man of, of asking questions and being determined to find answers. He was a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. He was asked on his deathbed, well, what speculations, Sir Michael, do you have now that you're approaching death? And uh, his answer was that he didn't have any speculations. All he had was a certainty. The certainty that he believed in Jesus Christ. That he believed in the one who would keep his life safe beyond death. That he believed in life eternal. And so many of the great scientific thinkers of the modern age were passionate Christians. Nicholas Copernicus. There, there are so many that we could name today. And uh, I believe we're moving back to that place where we will understand the fact that what science is expressing to us is actually something that you can read about in the pages of Scripture. And actually, the passage that we had read today, Zeki read from, from Genesis chapter 1, uh, is an amazing detail 
of how things have come into being within creation. And we believe as Christians that God is the God who is the God of creation. He is the eternal God, that he existed before creation, that he brought everything into creation through his word, through his spoken word, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the word in the flesh. And he's also the one who sustains this creation, this cosmos by his Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit, and this is the wonder of Christianity, that same Holy Spirit, we believe, lives in Eunox and lives in every follower of Jesus Christ. Do you see what dignity it gives us as human beings to know that we have been made by the God of all who is eternal, that he has made creation through Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ stepped into history, the Word made flesh, in order to fix the brokenness that we had caused. And if we believe in him, he will bring about a renewal in our lives, a new start that will lead us beyond death into a new heaven and a new earth. For us today, it can be difficult to understand and get our heads around, well, how is there going to be this new heaven and this new earth? But again, if you watch one of Professor Brian Cox's programs recently. It's, it's wonderful in speaking about the reality that exists that we cannot see in the universe. There's a vast reality that we can't see in black holes and everything because light cannot escape from black holes. And the fact that there are different dimensions and that time and space itself are things which are in the fabric of the universe. And things that we once thought were certainties are actually things that science is realizing are much more complex than we ever imagined. One of the things, of course, of the last recent decades is the fact, as Einstein discovered, is that material and energy are interchangeable. That things we touch and smell and see can be turned into pure energy and pure energy can become material. And for me, that really, that really encourages me about the bigness of God. The fact that it's not going to be difficult for God to create a new heaven and a new earth. Because the scientists would now say that at the start of creation, there was no energy whatsoever. All the energy, and energy cannot be destroyed, and all of the negative, the dark material, was a zero-sum game, that there was nothing. The thing about us as Christians, we believe that somebody created something out of nothing. Those who don't believe in a divine creator believe that nothing created something out of nothing. That's much more difficult to believe. So we believe that God is eternal, he's transcendent, he stands outside creation, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And uh, because we believe that, we can have confidence in saying that materialism is wrong, that there is something beyond what we can see, taste, hear, touch. There is something. And the very fact that science tells us that all those things that we can touch and see are made of pure energy, and they can all be be created, recreated again, interchanged with pure energy. So we shouldn't get too focused on the things that we see and touch. 
And this is really important for us as we think about moral and ethical issues over the next six weeks because the stuff that we can see and taste and touch is not all there is. And in fact, it, had a, it was a time when it didn't exist and there will come a, come a time again where it doesn't exist. So the whole world of God that we experience through the Spirit, the Spirit of God, is the important reality, not the things that we can see and touch. Also, the fact that God is creator is really important for us as we embark in speaking about moral issues and ethical issues over these next six weeks and how we navigate these in our day-to-day lives. The Bible begins, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. God created everything. And so morality is fixed, that it's not for us to determine what's right and what's wrong. It's God who has made everything. He's the one who planted the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden. He is the one who sets the parameters of what's right and what's wrong. We don't get to to rejig that. It's already set because God is the one who has brought everything into being. What that also means is that the, the philosophy of accidentalism is wrong. So Richard Dawkins is wrong. All the guys who think the same as Richard Dawkins are wrong. And the reason is because we believe in a creator who has shaped everything. As I say, Richard Dawkins believed that nothing made something out of nothing. That's pretty tough to believe. We believe that God, our loving creator, created everything out of nothing. Also as well, we believe that God's in charge. And so we believe that humanism is wrong. Humanism places human beings at the center of the universe. And basically says human beings have the power and the right to decide how they live, what is right and what is wrong. If you've ever been to a humanist event, I, 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 find, them, I find them deeply empty. Perhaps full of good intention, but deeply empty. And one of the challenges of humanism is that it it places human beings on the throne that God should occupy. And so humanism believes that that human beings are the center of the universe and in, in a way the master of the universe because we get to decide what's right and what's wrong. We get to decide how we live our lives. But the Bible doesn't say glory to man in the highest. The Bible says glory to God in the highest. At the heart of humanism, there is an arrogance that says there is nothing more important than men and women in the universe. That's not a good view of creation. I think God invites us to have a much more humble view of ourselves and to realize that God is the one who's created everything, and he alone is the one whom we worship. So all these things have some important implications for us. One of the important implications is that life has meaning. That may seem obvious, 
But if you believe in accidentalism, if you believe that life has no meaning, then even those who write large volumes, if you go back to some of the founders like Bertrand Russell, etc., they themselves will say, unless there's a God, there is no point looking for meaning in life. Without God, we all admit, atheists and Christians alike, without God, we all admit that life has no meaning. But with God, life does have a meaning, and we thank God for it. That we are created in the image of God, we have dignity because of, because of God, because we are created in the image of Jesus Christ, to whom all things have been created. And so our lives have a purpose. And that is extremely important. It's no coincidence that as belief in God in Western society has decreased in the last several decades, that there has been a pandemic in mental health issues. And we're becoming, as a society, less joyful, more angry, more grumpy, and more impatient. And the reason is because we have lost touch with the fact that life has meaning, that your life and my life have meaning. And not only that, but also we have a dignity as human beings because we're made in the image of God. And if we stop believing that, if we believe that human beings are just as important as a piece of stone or a plant in the ground, that we are no different in any way than animals around us, then our whole structure for ethics and morality crumble. That's why Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 are so important. So the story that Ewan's being baptized into today is one that I believe that we can humbly but with clear intellectual rigor and integrity say, let me tell you why I believe what I believe. And we can open the pages of Scripture with other people. We can sit down and watch a program by Professor Brian Cox or read any scientific book. And we can say with faith and we can say also with intellectual integrity, how I view the world, the story that I live in and I inhabit, I believe holds together with great integrity. And I believe also that it gives my life meaning and purpose. And more importantly than that, it gives me an opportunity to have a relationship with God my Father through Jesus Christ, who died to give me a new start and stepped into the middle of history to bring about a new beginning so that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And all those who believe in Jesus Christ will enter into that place because there's an opportunity for forgiveness through Jesus Christ, through him dying on the cross for us and rising to new life. And that's why we are baptized as Christians and followers of Jesus Christ, because it says, this is the story that I inhabit. This is the story that I believe in. And I think we can look anyone in the eye who lives on this planet and we can say, I don't think, this, unless you believe in Jesus Christ, I don't think the story that you believe in holds together. I don't think the story you believe in makes sense. 
And the reason why we have this moral code that we have about the dignity of human beings, about men and women being unique and yet both made in the image of God, it's only if we hold fast to the story the pages of Scripture tells us that actually that we're able to communicate and live in such a way that pleases God and also will bring flourishing to human beings and all of creation. So let's not let go of the moral code the Bible tells us is for the benefit of every human being. Any, anything else brings suffering. Anything else leads to confusion. And yet, as we were talking about last week, it's so important for us to do this with compassion and do it with humility. And to bring out that part of our story that admits and is clear with people that our relationship with God the Father comes about purely because of the grace of God. That once we were lost, but now we're found. And it's because of the generosity of God that God is remaking us from what was broken to what is fixed and reshaping us to be fully human, to be made in the wonderful image of God. And that image we see in Jesus Christ, who described himself in just two adjectives during his life. He said, I am gentle and humble in heart. And that's how we go out into this world. That's how we embark upon these next six weeks. We recognize that we have this great privilege of knowing what is true, a truth that I believe is fully backed up by scientific theory and discovery. And yet it's one in which we go out with courage and humility to say, I believe that the story that I inhabit is one that is for everybody and will lead to joy and peace for you and for every human being. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful truth of Scripture. We thank you, Lord, that you offer us new life in Christ. And Lord, today we just want to say, either for the first time or again, we want to say, Lord, I am weak, you are strong. I am sinful, you are pure. You're strong and I need help. And Lord, we just want to say afresh, thank you for Jesus Christ. And thank you that you've made us clean and new. And we pray, Lord, that you would afresh wash us and make us clean. That you would fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit and enable us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, to be fully human, to be fully reflecting the image of God. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. Fill us afresh and send us out into this world as agents of change, as ambassadors for Jesus Christ and all this we ask in his name. Amen.